0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Just Dow It podcast, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. First of all, I want to welcome our guest, Samantha. It's awesome having you here on the podcast. As I think you know, you're one of my, if not my favorite writer. In the DAO space. Um, just you have so much awesome content, great tweets, great takes, and just really excited to have you here on the podcast. Please give a brief introduction to yourself and what makes you an authority on DAOs.
1: <laughs> um, well, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited about this. Um, so I'm Samantha Marin. I'm a writer in the crypto space, the DAO space specifically. I got my start in Bankless DAO and started a newsletter called Quorum, and now I work at the Aragon Project, and I do communications, writing, governance, that kind of stuff.
0: Nice. Love it. And what, what is the Aragon Project for people who don't know?
1: It's basically a DAO tooling project, so they or we <laughs> build uh, smart contracts <laughs> for DAOs and uh, the corresponding uh, UIs, so user interfaces to interact with those smart contracts. So if you have a DAO and um, you want to use ERC-20 tokens to vote and manage your treasury and manage permissions around your DAO, then you can use Aragon to automatically do all of that without uh, needing a multi-sig or needing to vote off-chain or anything. So it's just an on-chain DAO tooling p- platform. And um companies like Lido and Decentraland they're all built on Aragon.
0: Yeah, it's one of the first DAO platforms that I um was ever aware of. I think it was it was maybe the first if not at least one of the first to to build um that type of tooling. So, very cool. Wow. All right. The first half of the podcast will be the Just DAO at News Report, where I will summarize a lot of recent DAO news for the audience and for Samantha and then uh, I'll share my hot take and ask Samantha for hers and we'll try to focus especially on what's relevant about these stories for people starting DAOs. So, the first headline of the week is from CoinDesk. The headline is Slow Ventures raises stakes on crypto governance with Timber DAO. The venture capital firm's first legally compliant DAO bought land and the second so-called S DAO is buying more, but this time land with trees. Okay, so first of all, I think it's a funny name for a venture capital firm, Slow Ventures, okay. but we'll leave that aside.
1: Um
0: <laughs> I think one thing that's cool about this story is this idea, even that a DAO can own land, might actually be surprising to some folks who are newer to the space. So, you know, a DAO, like any group of people getting together to organize themselves for some purpose, like any business, right? They can do anything that they want in the world, right? Whether that's um, buying real estate or buying equity or buying services or intellectual property, and it can own that stuff, it can license that stuff, uh, it can sell that stuff, just like any other, um, any other business. And so, in this case, uh, the venture capital firm is involved in these DAOs that are buying real estate, and I think they're calling them S DAOs because they're from Slow Ventures. So you know what? So here's what it says: says called S DAO. Slow's framework isn't for decentralization purists. It limits participation Mm -hmm. to a maximum 499 accredited investors in order to toe the legal line. So and the article says, too, that permission systems such as SDAO fly in the face of of free for all DAOs that theoretically let anyone with a governance token in. It's interesting to me because I don't think that, you know, Okay, so part of what's happening with DAOs, you you could have maybe a really technical definition of what a DAO is. And then you could look kind of more philosophically at like how people are approaching DAOs and certainly philosophically. People are like, well, DAOs are open. There, there's a, maybe very little management, very little leadership, very little structure. You do whatever you want. Anyone can join. But I don't think a DAO has to be that way. I don't think there's anything wrong with a DAO that says, well, we're going to limit ourselves to 500 members. I don't see why that would make you or, or only accredited investors. I don't know. To me, that doesn't make it any less of a DAO. Um, and it looks like SDAO is using a governance toolkit created by a company called Nation or a project called Nation, which is based on the Solana blockchain. Um, Hmm. is Eric, do you know, is Aragon, I assume it's focused on Ethereum and Ethereum compatible blockchains. Um,
1: yeah, Aragon's Ethereum and Polygon only. Um, I haven't explored Solana DAOs as much, actually, I will say that's a a blind spot for me a bit.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I had experimented with, I think the first DAO tooling on Solana, and I'm going to do a quick Google search to see if I can, uh, find (laughs) what the tool was that I played with. But um, Oh, squads. I think it was squads. And um, this was like, yeah, it was a few months ago. And it honestly was just not anywhere close to the capability that I saw in DAO tools on Ethereum and Ethereum compatible chains. And I think that's going to be true for most apps that are built on alternative layer ones. and, And it's not doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful eventually or that they're not doing something um, valuable and different. But I mean, I, I just don't think there is another ecosystem that is anywhere near where Ethereum is today in terms of having Aragon and probably 20 or 30 competitors to Aragon that are all building DAO tooling, DAO platforms, um, and they work already.
1: I just find that Ethereum tends to draw more people who are coming in, not necessarily to be a developer So maybe another ecosystem like Cosmos that does have a lot of pretty interesting DAO activity going on. It's just mainly developers, like from what I've observed in the Mm. ecosystem. But Ethereum has more like the artists and, you know, the writers and um, like just think about what Mirror has done for like bringing in writers to the ecosystem. So I think it's more a different grouping of people who are interested in it mainly.
0: Tell us more about Mirror, because I, I agree that is has been pretty impactful.
1: They're a out. So they're a protocol that allows writers to mint NFTs. So you don't have to be an artist or designer to mint an NFT and sell work and get profits, get money off of that work. You can just write your article, you know, have a header design and then mint it as an NFT and then people can collect it, add it to their writing collection, kind of like You might have a bookshelf, you know, in your house with all your favorite books. I think it's led to a lot of just a lot of writers starting to kind of play with what it means to like have their own audience and have their audience collecting NFTs. I think it's super cool.
0: Yeah. And is it in your experience, is it kind of like a patronage model where, I mean, I can imagine like myself... Yeah. Like, like when I had a little more money floating around, like when the market was hot, you know, if I saw an, any kind of artist that I wanted to support or a mirror article, yeah. and I was like, wow, this mirror article is great. Okay. I'll buy one of the NFTs. Like I'm happy to support this artist. And honestly now, mm-hmm. you know, when money's a little tighter, it's harder to do. Is right. is that kind of how you feel like people yeah. are coming in and buying those NFTs?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like Patreon, the, the more web two style um, platform, but just like bringing in the NFT component just makes it Web3 native. But yeah, you're totally right how kind of those independent writers and artists, like there's just not as much of an opportunity to um, get that like retroactive funding. Like, re- like you put out your work and then you get funded afterwards. It's just not as many people are buying NFTs or collecting writing as maybe they would have like a year or two ago so yeah yeah a little tougher a little tougher times (laughs)
0: yeah yeah for sure it is i think for everyone um Mm -hmm. okay next article is from bigthink.com the headline is dows the end of bosses dows don't have a c-suite how are they led And I'll read, this is actually a a audio story. The summary is just a few sentences, so I'll read the summary. DAOs are decentralized autonomous organizations. They are decentralized because there is no hierarchy. They are autonomous because people are acting on their own without top-down instruction, and they are organizations because they are not companies. DAOs are bringing a culture that we have never had before. They're part of Web3, which is based on decentralization. Leadership within a DAO looks very different. Since there is no hierarchy, successful leadership requires an ability to influence others and to build coalitions. I'll let you go first, Samantha, because there's a lot I can disagree with and pick apart yeah. here, but I'm curious what you would uh, go after first or, or if, you, if you agree with
1: it. Um, I wouldn't agree with <laughs> any of the acronyms, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but exploring working without hierarchy is like... St- the, the most interesting part of DAOs right now um one of the most interesting parts of DAOs. there's no single so like they're on they're totally on in that way like it's super super interesting to explore how you can work in a more teal organization style like that's kind of the the philosophy of you know, self-management and people giving feedback to each other as opposed to a boss telling you what to do. It's more of like a peer-to-peer thing.
0: Yeah. So I, I wonder if you're thinking the same thing, but I think decentralized could also refer to the underlying technology that runs a DAO in addition to like the nature of the structure of the organization, right? So like the fact that a DAO is running on a decentralized blockchain, its treasury is on a decentralized blockchain, rather than having you know, like a central uh, board with bylaws and written documents that are held by a lawyer somewhere. I feel like that's a different way of looking at decentralized. And then autonomous also could also refer to the technology, right? It could refer to the fact that the smart contracts are automatically acting on the decisions of the governance structure of the organization, rather than waiting for a treasurer to go out and like do some transaction with a bank account once the vote passes, that action can simply take place automatically. So those would be two other definitions, right, for decentralized and autonomous.
1: I usually think of autonomous as kind of making your own rules. So like an autonomous, mm. an autonomous state or something. You know, they have full autonomy to make their own and make their own rules, decide how they operate. Um, and so that autonomous piece is what gets super tricky when DAOs are trying to become legally compliant, which you know about because from my day of course, um, but like trying to stay entirely autonomous and also find a way to protect the liability of contributors. That's just, yeah, that's a whole thing. So
0: yeah, interesting. Yeah, right. So that the whole issue of like, how do we make sure we get the protections of the legal system that are necessary to do certain things in an organization, but not let those things also make us too centralized and you know, exactly. reduce or like of some of the benefits? Not,
1: yeah, or how do those things make you lose your autonomy as an organization where you just have to right. follow all of these rules of every Jurisdiction mm. you're registered in, you know. Um, so that's mm. another like super tricky, super tricky thing.
0: Cool. All right. Next headline is from beincrypto.com. And the headline is DAOs are still growing despite the bear market. Here's why. Uh, several platforms and protocols have performed exceptionally well relative to current trends. There seems to be some hope as recent trends show considerable growth for DAOs. And here's why. So I'll read one more line. Um, The last couple of months have seen surprising growth for decentralized autonomous organizations. DAOs amid an otherwise struggling crypto market, says Shiraz Ahmed, managing partner of Storm Partners. Um, so, you know, first of all, I want to give the take that this article doesn't really have a lot of data or statistics. And it does see in it, it's really based on just the opinions of a couple of people. Um, and also, it seems to be talking about the growth of a few organizations and the fact mm-hmm. that either the price of their governance token has gone up or there's more uh, governance activity. So, it talks about Decentraland as one example. Um, Uh, DeFi projects as well. So, you know, I I, want to say personally, I feel like there has been a little bit of a slowdown in DAOs. You know, if we go back to like January, February, I feel like everyone in crypto and even a ton of people outside crypto were clamoring to start DAOs like this is the next big Mm -hmm. thing. You know, this is how to run projects like this is the direction we're going to go. And they were running as fast as possible. And I do get the sense as someone working in this space that things are slowing down a little bit. And if someone is starting a DAO, they're doing it a little more carefully and slowly. Um, If someone was thinking about starting a DAO, maybe they're less sure right now because they're, they're just going to take some time to think about it. Um, So that's more what my impression has been. And some of the folks that I've talked to So I'm, I'm curious, Samantha, what What's your experience been recently with, you know, kind of getting a sense for where the ecosystem is headed and how much growth is is happening?
1: I think the slowdown started happening even around the turn of the year. So I think it's been a while. Um, and it's just, you know, correlating with the bear market or, you know, whatever kind of market you want to call it, but correlating with the not go to the moon every day market. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be into- like very just point blank about it, when a DAO has the majority of their treasury in their governance token, you know, those treasuries were cut by like 90% in some cases um, mm-hmm. with the way that the market's been. And so there's just 90% less money to go around, you know, you can onboard far fewer people, far fewer people can be paid a salary or a living through your token. You can't do as many token swaps and um, or pay for doubted out services because you just don't have the, the funds. I think just like the money, <laughs> honestly, to be very simplistic.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, if everyone has 90% less money, you're gonna do things yeah. more slowly and you're gonna do less just, for yeah, the time being. And if, if if people are surprised to hear us say ninety percent, that's because even if you know Ethereum and Bitcoin only went down fifty to seventy percent, the smaller coins like the coins representing governance rights in DAOs actually went down ninety, even ninety five percent in some cases um, during the, yep. the beginning of this bear market. So
1: exactly, yep. Yeah, we've all we've all felt it. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a nod in in pain. <laughs> <Right there. laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yep. All right. The next article, Samantha will recognize because it is written by her and released just a few days ago. So (laughs) um, from the Quorum newsletter, which is quorumnewsletter.xyz, this article is headlined, dark matter, water, and the word we describing power in DAOs. And it's only fair that I let Samantha summarize this one for us since she wrote it. (laughs) And then I'll provide my take after she tells us um, what uh, is most meaningful about the article to to you, Samantha.
1: Thanks for including that. Um, I wanted to explore where power lives in DAOs and what power really is. So a lot of times in the DAO space, we equate power with governance rights, so say you have more tokens, then you have more quote unquote power, and you can influence where the DAO, the protocol, the organization, you can influence where it goes. But I was observing that that's not always the case in DAOs. So there might be whales who hold a ton of tokens, but maybe they vote like twice a year if they vote at all. And then there are people who maybe they don't hold any tokens or they hold a very small amount, but they're exercising so much more power over the organization. And so I was just interested in this kind of phenomena that I was observing of, okay, like where does power come from then? If it's not coming directly from your, your tokens, your governance, rights? So I was just exploring different ways that it manifests um, and where the dark matter and water comes in is I was thinking about, um, well, I'll start with water because that's easier to explain. (laughs) So water, um, it's not necessarily good or bad. It just is. And so that's how I thought about power. Um, and that is from a really interesting book on sociocracy that I have referenced in there. There are a lot of I like pull from a lot of pretty cool resources that I was excited about um, in this article. Um, So yeah, water just flows. If you don't direct it somewhere, it's going to flow somewhere. So power is going to accumulate somewhere. You can use water as an analogy of, it's going to like puddle and pool if you don't direct it. Um, But then how I got thinking about um, dark matter is, um, I was thinking about how, Power is so hard to see, and it's you can only see it based on how things are moving around it. So, dark matter is this thing that exists in the universe that changes the way that planets orbit, it changes anything in the universe. It changes how it moves and functions, and the only way you know it's there is because how other things are moving around it. Um, so, I was thinking about how maybe you're reading a forum post and you see that one person comments one thing and then the whole tide changes and you're like, who is this one person? You know, they're not the founder. They're not someone who holds a ton of tokens. Like what caused their power to like change everyone's orbit around them? You
0: know, you know, so first of all, those are beautiful analogies. So I I love that. You know, one thing I'm curious about, and I'll relate it it back to the article we read earlier that talked, that said that DAOs have no hierarchy. Isn't Mm -hmm. it possible that DAOs, even in DAOs, even if there is no hard power, visible hierarchy, that a hierarchy does develop around like the water and the dark matter, right? Like, you know, right. So like, even, even if you don't give a central group of people more votes, you may have a central mm-hmm. group of people that actually does have more social power. And
1: right. I guess
0: I, I go back and forth in my own mind about like, is that bad? Is that just human nature? And I mean, human nature right. could still be bad, but like, is it actually just is that the natural order of things that we'll never get away from? Like put a group of people together and like some, and if for some particular purpose or situation, some of them will have more power than others. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Maybe that's just natural and fine.
1: It's definitely not a bad thing inherently, you know, until that group of people starts using their power in a way that like directly harms another group, right? Like, having power is not, that's why I love the, the water idea, um, from, I think it was Ted Rao, like, you can't say that water or power is inherently good or bad. It just exists. Um, and yeah, what you're saying about kind of the like shadow hierarchies, the background hierarchies those totally exist and they're always going to exist. Um, so the question is just how do you design, Your governance so that the right people, and when I say right people, I mean like your DAO contributors and your your token holders and your stakeholders, you know, all of the people who have an interest in the DAO, how do you design it so that they're getting their voice out in the way that needs to be gotten out, right? So like an investment DAO, you probably want people who have the most investment in it to have the most voice because they're the ones who are going to lose all their bags if you invest in like some moon coin that doesn't do anything right um and so that would be an example of like we're going to directly give more governance rights to people who have more money in the system but then there are so many other variations of that of where you're just like want completely different designs so like I kind of came to the conclusion in my article that power itself probably cannot be explicitly designed for. You just have to navigate it so i'm I'm still exploring that. I just <laughs> I don't know how you could design for power honestly um still still working mm. on that. If you have ideas, <laughs> let me know well, so. so it
0: sounds like to to use similar analogy, I mean it's like you can't let's say there's a river flowing towards you. you can put mm-hmm. like some like canals or like channels or like pathways right. in the ground. You could put up a dam, you could put up barriers, you can create a structure that will influence how power flows through your organization and what it ends up doing. But you're, that doesn't mean you're changing the laws of physics around the way water flows, right? Or the way, the, the way right. power is used. So yeah, that's right. that's kind of what it sounds like to me. And so that's, I mean, I guess if when you're defined, when you're creating a governance structure and maybe equally importantly, when you're setting the mission, right? Because Mm -hmm. there is the governance structure. Yes. There's like the voices of the people, but sometimes the organization is not even just about the people and their interests. It has some stated purpose that it's built to uh, try to achieve. And so you, you know, maybe you create a governance structure, that will try to funnel human nature and power and resources towards achieving that goal, um, despite whatever the individuals may may want for themselves. Um, but still, right. you're kind of just building the groundwork that the power will flow through following its own rules. Yeah, yeah
1: that's really cool. interesting. I like that.
0: All right, awesome. Well, that's great. Everyone definitely check out, um, we'll talk about it more later, but check out quorumnewsletter.xyz and subscribe. Um, Lots of really great articles, Samantha writes there. Uh, Next article is actually a tweet thread from CoreDeNAPE, and I'll read just uh, the first tweet here to start. Uh, Decentralized teams need Web3 native tools built by people who know how DAOs work and how they can be better. Today, we are proud to introduce CoVaults, built by our decentralized team for your decentralized team. So first of all, for those who don't know what Coordinape is, um, Coordinate is one of the most popular tools in the DAO ecosystem. And one of the coolest things I think about this story is that Coordinate started out as just a web tool. There was nothing inherently like Web3 about the way it was built. It was a tool where you would tell it, here's a group of people that have been working on something or doing something together, and we're going to give everyone, let's say, um, 100 votes that they can assign to the rest of the group based on who they think deserves credit for the work that was done or reward for whatever situation just happened, right? And so it was a way of, let's say, 10 people were doing this. Each of those 10 people had just worked on a project together. They're going to give more votes to the people who contributed the most to that project. And then at the end, what the DAO would do is give rewards, whether it was like dollars in crypto form or native governance tokens, proportionally to who got the most votes in that coordinate round. So it was a way of kind of crowdsourcing, like who deserves the most credit for whatever um, went on. And that, but then you were manually executing it, and you were, you know, giving out the uh, tokens to to those people. What Coordinate has done now is they've actually built a Web3 tool that allows for these types of like gift circles or whatever you'd like to call them um, and other ways of uh, paying contributors to actually take place on chain in a trustless manner rather than doing the voting and then executing it yourself. Now you can actually um, have the system operate fully on chain, you do your votes you, you run whatever process um, you're looking to run, and then people automatically get paid. So I'm really excited about this. I certainly haven't tried it yet. This was just about a week ago that this came out. Um, and I'm really excited to see people continue to use uh Nape and, and use it to make their DAOs better. Um, any uh, reactions yeah. to this one, Samantha?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love using Cordon Nape. Um, we used it at Banklist. We don't use it much at Aragon, but I think Aragon's kind of transitioning the whole organization into a DAO. It's been like half and half for a bit. So I think we're going to start using a lot more there because I think it is really helpful in like a small group setting um, when you're giving governance tokens. Um, But yeah, I didn't know it started Not as a web3 tool, that's really interesting. Um, that's cool background. So, what is the difference with this co vault? Is it different in any way from coordinate?
0: It it looks like there's a couple things. One is that now it's on chain, and so you know, rather than you know, kind of just having the vote, almost like a poll that you, you could have done in SurveyMonkey, it just would have been really hard. And that, you know, but mm-hmm. then after that round happens, you have to manually submit a proposal to actually make the payments to people um, or have some central entity mm-hmm. do it. Right now, it's all happening on chain. Um, and then the other thing is it, it looks like it's more of like a comprehensive compensation tool for DAOs. So you could do fixed payments for contributors. You can do these gift circles. You can do use any ERC-20 tokens. Um, and, and it looks like what they, they're really actually. Cool. The, yeah, right. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, the, the next tweet in the thread actually says, uh, one of the most requested coordinate features is the ability to make fixed payments. Salary, recurring mm-hmm. grants, UBI for your team. Covaults enables them on their own or in conjunction with variable payments via multiple gift circles.
1: Super cool. What we used to use at Bankless was we would use Nape as like a little bonus, but then if you had some kind of weekly or monthly salary, that would have to come in totally differently. So that's cool that you can do it all in all in one place now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I wish I could remember what podcast I heard one of the founders of Cordnape, um speaking on, but um, it's just a cool story too. It was this—I think it's a couple who uh, started uh, Nape, and it was one of these things where like. They just did it because they were in a situation where it just made sense to try to do this like one time and yeah. people loved it so much that suddenly other people started asking them, "Hey, can we do this too?" I was like, "Sure, let's just we'll just like jerry rig it together so that like you can do it too." And it just spread like wildfire through the DAO community because it was such a sought after capability. And so, and and I love the fact that it was it was so bootstrapped. Like it wasn't like they said, "Okay, let's spend 2 years building the perfect technology for DAOs and then we'll launch it." Mm. It was like, "Let's just start yeah. simple." you know build this like basic thing that people can use today and now you know 2 years later it's evolving into what sounds like just incredibly valuable i'm sure vcs would love to fund it i don't know if they need funding or if they're accepting <laughs> it but it just yeah. seems like what will pro- what will be a leading technology in in the dao space especially now that it's all um, web3 All right we will do one more story Um, This one is from Metropolis, which is at metropolis.mirror.xyz. And the headline is, Orca Protocol is now Metropolis. We're excited to share that Orca Protocol is rebranding to Metropolis and opening up pod beta access to a select group of DAOs. A couple interesting things about this article. Um, First of all, Orca Protocol is another one of the early-ish, maybe not as early as Aragon, but an early-ish DAO platform. And it's always been organized around this concept of pods, which you know it comes from the world of whales, like orcas, um, as their former name uh, implied. And in this article, the authors talk a lot about how they see DAOs as being like cities. So, and they actually say, like, many say DAOs are like companies, but we see DAOs being more like cities. And I really like this analogy because often when I'm trying to explain what DAOs are to people who are new to the space, Um, One of the ways I describe it is that it's like combining a democracy with a company. So like a a, a democratic government with a company and kind of like taking some elements of one and some elements of the other and putting them together. Um, At the same time, I I think kind of like you said earlier, Samantha, that DAOs exist on a spectrum, probably many spectra. Um, You know, this is another one where maybe some DAOs are more like cities and some are more like companies. Um, And uh, I also wanted to call this out just because the founders of Orca Protocol are also really um, awesome. They're prolific tweeters and writers. And so this is another really cool just to check out and find some people to follow if if you're new to the space. Um, But yeah, Samantha, what what do you think? Are DAOs companies or cities or can they be either?
1: Yeah. I read that article. It was super interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, Bankless Dow feels like a city, you know, when you're inside mm. of it, like it's so huge hmm. and it's just like expansive and it feels like there's, you know, like a city square where everyone comes together and it feels like you go off into your little kind of suburbs um, to do your um, day-to-day work. Um, but then Aragon feels a lot like smaller, a lot it feels a lot closer to a company because it's like more of, you know, we're going to ship a product and we're going to develop a strategy around this product. You know, it's, it feels more like a company, whereas yeah, bankless definitely felt like a city. So I think it kind of depends on your goals, but yeah, I think the city thesis is so interesting. Um, And I, I think I saw on Twitter it's like kind of in line with the network state stuff the blodgy mm. network state book so I think that's super interesting just thinking about um the future of DAOs in that way um cuz it's like does a city have teams like shipping things and having like a strategy you know whereas bankless DAO was like a lot of like small teams shipping things whereas something like like lido dow is like we have one thing you see what i mean um that they all have to come together around and like work on and ship and stuff so i think it's like different slightly in those two ways um but yeah i thought that article was really really good really interesting
0: yeah yeah no i like that too i mean i feel like uh bankless one of the things about bankless is it seems like you can do Almost anything you want to in Bankless and be part of Bankless. Like if mm-hmm. you it's so inclusive, yeah. right? Like if you feel like you have a project that aligns with the mission and you want to work on it, I mean, first of all, you just go do it. <laughs> you know, and then eventually maybe you ask for grants, you ask for support, you see if there's other guilds that can help you. Um, but it's just so inclusive in that regard. Whereas I imagine a project like the Aragon Dow, like there's a mission, there's a vision, and like people are probably gonna try to keep you yeah. relatively on mission. And so, yeah, so that does seem like a big difference, right? If I think about cities, literally a city tries to give you the freedom to do whatever you want in the city, right? It's not telling you Mm -hmm. if you live here, you have to do things a certain way. Um, So that does seem like Mm -hmm. an important distinction.
1: And this is something I like pushed back a bit in Bankless. I was like, okay, so like, how are we funding things? Like, are we going to like pay do all the guilds pay like a tax to their DAO or something to keep being able to exist you know like you come into these issues of like funding like a public space like if the DAO is kind of a public space it's like is it something that everyone just kind of maintains because they enjoy it and they love it like maybe you have like a park in your neighborhood like is that something that like uh I'm thinking of an example like those like self-growing gardens, like you go and you grow a different couple different types of vegetables and you all kind of share the garden. Or is it something where you have like a central city planner coming in and saying like, we have a playground here. We have, we mow the grass here, you know? So I think like a Dow, like a city has to think a lot about like maintaining those public spaces and like those bonds between Guilds and suburbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like a huge challenge, hmm. honestly.
0: Interesting. Um, so, and we'll get more more to your background soon. But what what's been your experience with with Bankless? Were you around Bankless pretty early on, or what, what's your journey been there?
1: Um, that was how I got into the DAO space. Um, mm-hmm. I joined in summer of 2021 one. So I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of new to the, I'm pretty new to the DAO yeah. space. I've um, been working in more of the traditional startup world and, you know, working a lot and not, not, it was like pre, you know, pre-VC, pre-fund kind of thing. Um, so I was working a lot, not getting paid very much. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should ask for equity, right? Because I'm working a lot. I'm not really getting money. I should mm-hmm. probably ask for equity. and didn't get any, pretty young, didn't have like a lot of experience. And I was a little like slightly, not disillusioned is way too strong a word. I was just kind of like done, you know, it's like, okay, what do, what do I want to do next? Like, I want to feel more like power. It was funny because I was talking about it. Like, I want to feel more yeah. ownership over my project and feel like I have more direct power in it. Cause I, I felt like you know, I didn't really have that in the traditional startup space, which is kind of ironic because I feel like people start a company so they can feel that. Um, But as Mm -hmm. someone working in a startup, I didn't feel that, you know, like as a contributor of a startup, I didn't feel that. So that was kind of a perfect time for me to like start learning about DAOs. I just um, basically started hearing about them through podcasts and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to see how this goes. And then I joined the server, the, bankless dial server. And I think I introduced myself and I got a tip for the governance token via collab land, which is, was our inter- integration. I got a tip within like a half hour mm. of joining. And then that was kind of like my light bulb moment of, okay, I just got like some ownership over this project. And I literally just showed up, mm. you know? And so mm. that was kind of like it, it, was a, it was a good timing, I feel like, of kind of getting a little rejected in the Web2 startup world and then coming to Web3 and just seeing that it was a completely different mm. environment around ownership. And so, yeah, then I was at Bankless, um, still doing my Web2 jobs so I was kind of doing half and half a bit um, and then decided to do Web3 full time in January of this year. Um, was doing bankless and kind of looking around for where I'd be able to get like a like a full-time full-time gig Um, and yeah I joined Aragon in May so it's all been really fast actually (laughs) it's been just like a year actually.
0: Well that's such a powerful story about you know asking for equity you know hearing no and then you know soon after you're basically getting equity in a DAO that you just met um, like days ago.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, they didn't, I just showed up. <laughs> I just gave it away. I mean, I guess I could have taken that in a, a bad way and been like, whoa, <laughs> just giving away stuff. Coming on too
0: strong. That was
1: not at all. Yeah. It, was, it was
0: cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, that sounds like a really good introduction into how you got into web three and DAOs in the first place. Um, is there, uh, anything else you want to share about your journey from those first days in Bankless to how you got to where you are right now?
1: I initially joined, um, as a writer, cause I wanted to, um, you know, have ownership, like I said, have more ownership of the project I was working on, but I also saw a need for people who could explain things clearly, uh, through writing. Cause, um, I entered the space by listening to a bunch of podcasts. I find that that's a pretty common way to get into crypto. Um, And I've, I kind of find that like there's so much really good audio out there about crypto, like Twitter spaces. Those weren't as much of a thing when I joined crypto, that's like really recent, but Twitter spaces, podcasts, you know, there's this really strong um, like audio landscape of web three, but. When I joined about a year ago, the writing wasn't as strong. And so I felt kind of like I could fill a niche there. um, And I felt comfortable with some of the more technical aspects. So I initially joined for that. But as I got deeper into the DAO space, I just became a lot more interested in how DAOs themselves function as an organization. So I just realized that I wanted to, you know, keep... Like writing is what I lead with, right? Like that's my my main skill set. Um, but I wanted to go more into the governance side, go more into the tooling side, um, and and work on improving DAOs as an organization rather than just observing them and writing about them. I wanted to be involved in improving them. So that's kind of how I ended up with Aragon. Um, And then I write my newsletter to be kind of like an observer as well, but also share my, share my opinions on how they can improve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so when I got involved in DAOs really was the end of last year, like December. Um, And uh, so Mm -hmm. like you actually kind of knew, although even being in the space for almost a year feels like it's longer than most people now because people are joining so fast. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember there were not that many articles, good articles about DAOs. I mean, literally, I feel like I collected like the 10 good pieces of writing about DAOs in like January of, of 2022. And now, you know, in the last you know, four months, you've probably written more than 10 articles yourself about about DAOs. <laughs> um, so what projects are you working on right now? And how do they relate to DAOs?
1: I'm with Aragon full time. So I'm mostly working there. And then yeah, my newsletter is really just my way to kind of have my own space to share my opinions and ideas. Because I find that a lot of crypto writing um and in a little bit in the podcast space um things aren't as centered around forming an argument about something you know people mm. talk about a thing and kind of like talk in circles around it or they'll write about a thing and just like mm. do a flyover of it or write about what other people's opinions are but And this is just like my writing background coming in. I was like, where's your thesis? You know, I was like, what are you saying? What is your argument? And I feel that way, you know, sometimes listening to Twitter spaces and podcasts and stuff. So I just wanted a way to like really develop kind of clear arguments about DAOs.
0: I think you're right about that. I mean, and and to your point earlier, you know, I I think... Part of what makes audio so good for people that are new to the space or just getting into the space is even just that people are just talking about what's going on. Right. Thesis or no thesis, you just need to hear people communicating about this stuff to pick up on what's the language people use, what are the concepts, what are the tools you hear people talk about all the time. That de- almost every one of my guests talks about bankless, for example, right? So like if you listen to this podcast, you know that bankless is a big deal and you should check it out. Um, so that's that's really useful too. But I totally agree with you that it's hard. It's really hard. Like I see you or I see like Chase Chapman or a couple other folks tweeting sometimes and I'm like, man, that is such a great tweet. Like you're because you're not just like repeating the same stuff or just sharing like a random thought. It's like it's a hot take that really means something new and like makes a strong argument for, for something. And it's it's really powerful. So it's good good to have writers, professional writers in the space, I suppose. And uh last question for you any favorite DAOs that you would recommend people check out?
1: I'd say, I think Joke DAO is really cool right now. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of keeping up with them a bit. Um, they're experimenting with governance, experimenting with like bicameral governance and using like a game to test different governance out so that they're not testing it. Like these crazy high stakes of you're moving a treasury or something. I'm thinking about that because that's like Aragon. is <laughs> like the high stakes more environment mm-hmm. of DAOs mm-hmm. where you're like, thinking about all of those little attack vectors and stuff, but the joke they're testing like different types of like, they're using like vote decay, where if you vote later, it's like not your vote isn't worth as much. If you vote early, they're using all these different kinds of things. Um, so I think that's super cool to test, just to like test governance in a, a lower stakes way. I'd also say, I really think CityDAO is super cool um, to go with the city Mm -hmm. theme (laughs) we were talking about. So they're Mm -hmm. they're doing Web3 higher education, but building a city around it. So Mm. I think that's like a really cool idea, like actually buying like plots of land. Um, So I think that's that's me. Um, And then, I mean, everyone talks about NounsDAO now. (laughs) So I have to mention Mm -hmm. NounsDAO because I'm on a podcast (laughs) right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everyone talks about Mao's which is like super cool. Like they, their mission is just to spread the meme of a of the NFT. And so it's like kind mm. of fun that um to have a DAO that exists to get more people to know about the DAO. It's just like kind mm. of a crazy cool thing. So yeah, that's what would be my answer.
0: And the first one you mentioned is joke DAO, like telling mm-hmm. a joke.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly. I've really heard of that.
0: Cool. Is it kind of like... Like how Dogecoin was a joke. This was like a joke. And that's why it it's is like kind of, safe. yeah, it's
1: like tongue in cheek like that kind of the things that they're using to test governance is voting on jokes. So people write jokes and you vote <laughs> on them and they get minted as NFTs. Yeah. Oh my
0: goodness. So
1: that's like the mechanism <laughs> they're using to test stuff. It's like, super, yeah. It's that's amazing.
0: awesome. I can't there wait you. to check that out. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah, All right. Well, Samantha, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, Please tell the audience, uh, where can they find you and your projects on the web and on social?
1: My newsletter is quorumnewsletter.xyz. You can find me on Twitter, Samantha Marin. And... Yeah, I think that's all. You can look up Aragon, um, Aragon mm-hmm. at uh, aragon.org um, or at Aragon Project.
0: Audience, you can find me on Twitter at 0xthriller. Or you can find MyDAO at D S. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S or MyDAO.org. Um, Please consider liking us or leaving us a review or sending us a, a, a comment. Again, Samantha, it was just such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you.
0: You got it. And for the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO it does not contain any legal or financial advice. My DAO also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.